Hey, what is up, everybody? Brent Mukai podcast listeners, you sweet, sweet uh, league of extraordinary Brentlemen, you Mukuleles, <laughs> you Mukakis, you Brentlemen's Club, you, uh, 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 shit, what up? What are the other ones? God damn it. You, uh, 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 Oh man, ladies and gentlemen, the the Brent uh, oh, Brentologists. That was another good one. I'm still remembering them all. Um, I am uh, happy today to have on the podcast <laughs> my longest, my best friend in the whole fucking world, uh, Alberto Triana. He is a filmmaker. He has been. I mean, shit. We have like a long storied history together. Um, Berta, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Um, it's funny that we were just talking about it. It's like I lived like across the hall from you, and it's like, wait, why haven't I been on this? Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. I've mentioned you several <laughs> times, like you, like other people I've had on, like Jeremiah last week. Uh, we talked cool. about, you know, so so yeah, it, it was just a natural progression. It's one of those things where I guess like when you're so close, you don't think about absolutely, it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, question. Yeah. Do you start every episode like that? Yes, I do. Fantastic. All right. <laughs> oh, I forgot to say, bro, Kai, voice actor, improv trainer, entertainer. Um, yes. So, uh, uh, I, I couldn't settle on, on one thing to call the people who listen to the podcast. And a lot of people had <laughs> sent in like a shit ton of ideas on what to call the listeners and so i was like i just, just went with d all the above i basically <laughs> basically people wanted to force me to mukakis <laughs> and i was like yeah. i don't want to just be that, that can't be your only uh, that can't be I it. Get it i, get I it. like mukuleles too but mukuleles uh, is good brentleman is hilarious the, <laughs> what about, yeah, my favorite. that's a good one uh but uh, what were you gonna say um no no i'm just excited to be on oh uh, dude <laughs> um so okay so I, I think that we can go a little bit into our history, because you have, uh, damn man, like you've known me longer than anyone else that I still am like in direct contact with. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that for a little bit. God, yeah. What was it? Um, I mean, like back in high school, like in Hawaii. So what? Two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand. Yeah, we met in two thousand four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You that tell was... the story of how we met, because that was... So, the story of how Alberto met Brent. Um, so, back in high school, Pearl City High School in uh, Hawaii, we had a mutual friend. His name was Rainier, and um, they were in band. I uh, played for the football team, and uh, I went to the same elementary school as Rainier, so we've known each other for years. Um, we kind of had a hangout spot, and one of the days... Um, he just is like, hey, my buddy Brent's going to come by and talk to him. Uh, Brent comes up. I meet him. I'm like, I kind of knew the guy a little bit because I've seen him around. He, I think he ran for like I class need- president <laughs> like back in middle school. Yeah, I know. So I was like, I know this guy, but I don't really know him. That's so I funny. still remember your slogan was um, fly high with Brent no, Mukai. No, it was hold yourself high. Oh, hold yourself Brent high Mukai with Brent Mukai. Because the... <laughs> What nobody knew in seventh grade was that uh, uh, Hold Yourself High was the class motto. See, I didn't know that. Nobody (laughs) did. And when I said it, I wasn't aware of the implication that it would have. And so I got laughed at for that. And I was like, that's really weird that people are laughing at me. (laughs) I'm in a crowd full of people and I'm getting laughed at by accident. 
Um, but you secured the uh, the stoner vote though on that one. I d- <laughs> it was a close vote. <laughs> Not a lot of stoners voted back in those. But you're, I came to your hangout, which was uh, on the top of this hill yeah, under yeah. a tree. Yeah, so we hung out on this grassy hill. There was a nice tree, you know, shade year round. It was just a really pretty spot to hang out. Really nice, good grass. Uh, just really comfortable and relaxing. So that's where we would hang out. And um, so you know, we we talk a little bit. We meet, shake hands. And uh, Brent goes on his merry way, and um, as he's walking down this hill, he slips and falls. And I remember having one of those, like, Nelson moments from, like, The Simpsons in my head. I'm just like, I don't really know this guy very well, but it was one of the funniest things. It was just, it was so, I was laughing too, I remember. I remember you laughing, and he just falls. And I'm like, oh my god, this is hilarious. And then, like, the laughter stops because... Through his laughter, I hear Brent laughing, and he kind of goes, I think I heard something snap. And we all just stop. We're like, oh, shit. <laughs> so um, I'm assuming I could say shit if you could say mukakis. Oh, yeah. I don't okay. give a fuck, dude. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I just wasn't sure if we're keeping it. You know. No, not PG at all. But uh, mukakis should have been a dead That's giveaway. That's a dead giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> we're not. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so, like, he ended up, Brent ended up breaking his ankle. And um, <laughs> that's how I initially met Brent. And I remember helping find a security guard to help him out. And uh, this whole time, I just keep thinking, I'm like, I just met this dude. Like, what the hell is <laughs> What a weird yeah. meeting. And uh, <laughs> remember and it- I had new shorts on, like brand new <laughs> shorts. And they, like, dragged me down the hill. They, like, so up until that day, you were having a good day. I was having a great. I was having my new shorts. Just met this cool new dude that I was like, oh okay, my friend right here's been oh telling me gosh. about him, a budge, and like, and it was a week before, it was a literally one week before our band trip to California oh. for the, for the uh, uh, for the whatever parade is in California around Christmas yeah, time, yeah. and it was just so funny, and I remember I ended up loving it more because like. You didn't have to do any of the work? I didn't have to do any of the work. <laughs> I sat there and watched the parade, and I was like, well, this is a good parade. I just remember they had a float, and the on the float was, um, you remember Tool Time or uh, Home Improvement? Yes. It wasn't Tim Allen. It was the other guy, Al. Oh, okay, yeah, and yeah. He was like the most famous person who'd shown up. For that parade. That's how you know your fan is yeah. rocking. <laughs> I was like, wow, that guy. It's I like, know him. It was like, eh, hey, Hall and Oates, but only Oates showed up. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. You couldn't even get well, Daryl. Cool. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah. when you go and you're you're uh, uh, in a cast in a wheelchair, like in Disneyland, you get to go on the rides first. You get the secret line that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So everybody was like, bro, I can, I can wheel I can, you around. I can push you Everyone around. was fighting. You made to... a lot of friends that week. I did. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like that was kind of like our first real interaction. And, um, you know, yeah, we had some other interactions here and there. But I, I would say that it didn't really, it didn't really kind of like take off until we started doing theater together. Yes. I joined in junior year. Yeah. And, uh, you had been, had you been in it since sophomore year, sophomore year. Okay, cool. And you were like, yeah, you were like the rare anomaly. I mean, you were basically high school musical before (laughs) high school musical was a thing. I guess so. Yes. Cause I, I played football for the, uh, the, the football team. Um, and I also did theater. So, off season, and I remember there was a point in time where they would kind of overlap. So I would be trying to 
go to rehearsal, also practice, and it just was an interesting uh, trying to schedule that. And everyone's reaction was so interesting. It was like, wait, what? You're doing theater? You have to go to theater practice? Yeah. Or, wait, you're going to go to football practice? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm like a really big guy. I might as well go do something physical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, what position did you play again? Uh, I was an offensive lineman. Oh, uh, cool, cool. Usually a tackle, but I also played guard and... I centered like once or twice, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> it's a lot I'm of not, pressure. I'm, not a, yeah. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm just going to be a tackle or a guard. I don't, I, I can't. No, it's too much. So what was it like for you having, having that, that dichotomy of, of theater and arts, but also uh, football, which is, you know, one of the jockiest jock sports you can play. Like what kind of, it was, was that experience? It was interesting. Um, I was going to make a joke about how I got the worst of both worlds. <laughs> you think it'd be amazing. No, it was, um, all in all, it was a great experience. I got to see, I got to see things from a very unique perspective because, you know, especially when you're growing up and in high school, middle school, you know, just that, that environment, mm -hmm. um, you're so concerned with the way people perceive you and the way people look at you. And, um, you know, cause you want to be the cool kid. You want to wow, do this. That's crazy. That. Even you. Um, cause I never really. got that from you. I never really cared. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting because I could see how people would treat me differently when I'm at theater practice versus when I'm at football practice or like the different groups of friends that I would have. It almost felt like they all knew me as a, not really a different person, but they knew me in different capacities. So it was kind of interesting to see yourself kind of like, okay, well here I'm kind of this here. I'm kind of that. It, but at the end of the day, you're just kind of being yourself. Yeah. So it was just kind of an interesting to kind of step outside of yourself and see that. Um, but at the end of the day, I just did what I wanted to do and just was trying to be me as best as possible. Because I knew that, you know, even though I was still in high school, I relatively knew what I wanted to do with my life. So I just knew that, like, I love playing sports. It was something I grew up doing. Yeah. Um, and it was also a really great way to, you know, connect with my dad and everything. Cause he was also my coach for a long time. Yeah. 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 Um, he played a lot of sports, so it was a really good thing. And it taught, it teaches you a lot of really great life lessons that I would recommend, you know, people to go play sports. You don't have to go be an athlete, you know, just maybe like a year or two play a team sport, just so you, you get the idea of teamwork a little better than most people. It also teaches you how to just let shit go. Yeah. Um, which I use all the time now, like people, like in life, something bad happens. I just think of it like I'm at a football game. Like, okay, I had a bad play, but the clock's still running and I got to line up again. I can't sit here like bummed out, depressed. Right. Like, oh no, this didn't go my way. I, you know, I missed a block or something. And it's like, well, no, get back on the line, fucker. You got to go block this guy. You got The game keeps going. So. It forces you to stay in that moment. It really does. And it's a great thing to learn, especially at a young age. Because I think that really helped me as, um, you know, as the struggling artist, you learn the... You know, not everything goes your way and, you know, it's just life. It's just life lessons that are really important. And um, the flip side of it was, you know, learning with theater and, you know, acting and stuff. I knew that I didn't want to be an actor, mm -hmm. that I definitely wanted to direct more, but you need to understand the language. You need to understand, you need to have a foundation in the, in, you know, in the world of what you're trying to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was just really interesting to kind of like see that and like to get, I feel like I know myself better because of that, because you really have to, you really have to kind of have an understanding of who you are before you can go tell someone else's story. Yes. You know, a million percent. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it was just interesting in that I don't, I don't think I really truly appreciated it 
back then, but I do now. Um, cause I mean, what, I don't know that many 16, 17 year olds that have that sort of self-awareness. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, um, cause at the end of the day, I was just like, I'm just going with my gut. I just want to do what I want to do. And you know, that's ultimately kind of how I navigated life up until this point. Yeah. And um, I, I think that was a, I think that was a very admirable thing. I think that a lot of people saw that and, uh, uh, were inspired by that, by that, just your nature and, and that you did, you just didn't give a shit. It's true. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you know whether it didn't. It didn't matter who you are, what you do, where you're from. I mean, if we're if we're on the field, we're we're the team. If we're on, if we're doing a show, we're all the cast. Like we're all like one unit. So, what would you say is a takeaway teamwork wise that you learned from sports? What's like the big one? Um, you have to trust in other people. Um, everybody, wow. everybody wants to be the star. Yeah. Everybody wants to be the guy who makes the game-winning catch, wants mm-hmm. to, you know, the game-winning throw. But what I loved about being a lineman was it was such a there is no glory in it. Yeah. But if you did not do your job, you wouldn't win. So it taught me that. It taught me that everybody's important no matter what position you play. Uh the same thing on a film set. You know, some people look at getting, you know, starting off as a PA and they're like, "Oh, just lowly PA work and it's like no you are the unsung hero of this production like you right you can't you know slack I mean? off on this exactly shit. exactly so it's I mean it's it's cliche but it's like you know there are no small roles yes you know but it's so true especially even like on a on again like I always whenever I'm on set I'm I'm always making football references because it's just what I know and what I understand but yeah you know not everyone gets to be the star sometimes you got to block and if I'm working on another production and I'm not the director I got to do my job because if not, the film's going to fall apart. So. Right, and you still take you still you. The, the, one of the most interesting things is that you've sort of now. I mean, taking it to the present time, what you do now is you've adapted to be able to play every role. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I I try to um, for for several reasons. Uh, obviously, the first one, the most practical, is out of necessity. Right. Um, because at the end of the day, if you want something done. Nine times out of ten, you got to do it yourself. Right. Um, so you can't, you know, while I say, you know, team sports has taught me trust, it also taught, it also teaches you how to get things done yourself, you know, how to be the best version of yourself because you can't just go play a game. You got to practice, you got to train. Yeah. It's the same thing with anything you do in life. If you want to be a chef, you got to learn how to cook, you got to learn how to season properly. If you want to be a filmmaker, you have to practice, you have to learn, you know, you got to learn writing, you got to learn lighting, you got to learn cinematography directing you got to learn all these things if you want to be an actor you know the same exact thing so it's all training and practice it's just now instead of running on a grass field i'm on youtube watching videos and like learning or looking up articles or you know it's it's a different it's a different it's a different field so but it's the same concept of you know at the end of the day you're always a student and you're always trying to get better and you know, while you do have the team, at the end of the day, you need to carry your weight. Because if you are the, you know, if you're not doing your job, you're not only letting yourself down, you're letting the team down. Right. I also think that it's it's extremely important as a leader to be able to have empathy for what other people fucking do. Absolutely. And absolutely, and that was something that, it's so interesting, because it's something that I've really been, especially over the last year. Yeah. Um, just really being as understanding as I can, because everyone, I was telling this to somebody, I don't remember who, but... Um, you know, 
we all live our own lives. And if our lives were a movie, we are the star of that movie. Mm-hmm. And everyone else that comes in is just supporting, you know, cast or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, you're the hero of your story. And with that said, you know, I could be the villain in someone else's story. You know, I don't know what they, how they see me. I, and I can't really, I can't really control that. All I can do is what I'm trying to do. And whether, you know, for better or worse, you know, if it lines up, great. But, you know, I'm not trying to go hurt other people. I just want to do what I do best and I want to do what's best for me. And, um, you know, I spent a lot of years trying to help as much people around me as I can. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the big lessons I'm learning, you know, toward the tail end of 2018 is that one of my strengths, which is how much I'm willing to help and give, is also one of my biggest weaknesses. Because now I'm realizing that I'm not necessarily as far along as I want to be. And that's because I don't take the time for myself. I don't put myself first when I should. And for a long time, I kept thinking that's selfish. And it took uh, a friend of mine, you know, uh, Chris Myshiro Choppy, we call him. He just sat there and we'll said... We'll get him on the podcast. Yeah, he yeah. should be on here. And he just straight up looked at me and said, Motherfucker, you need to be selfish right now. Go get yours. And, um, you know, so if it wasn't for Chop, I probably, you know, it would have taken a lot longer for me to start my company. Like, he was the one person that, like, really chimed in. Like, you need to have your own thing. You need to have your own identity. You can still work and be a part of something bigger. Yeah. But you need to, as an individual, have that. And um, it's it's been really, it's been really wonderful for me to, like, kind of live this experience and to, like, see that. And, you know, every, you know... It, it changes as, as you know, things go. And I try to be as fluid as possible because, you know, success is not a straight line. No. It's, it's curves. It's, it's everywhere. It's squiggly lines. It's circles. Um, and I think one of the pitfalls is early on, especially in my career and um, working with, you know, working with other people, you know, we would have these goals and it would be like a straight line. And it's like, okay, I'm here. I'm at point A. And to get to point B, I'm just going to make this straight line and this is how I'm going to be successful. Right. And when we, mm-hmm. when I hit that wall and it was preventing me from getting to where I needed to go, I kept thinking, okay, well, maybe if I just lower my head and hit it harder, right. I'll break through and then I can get to there when all I should have done was take a step to the side. Right. And just look around because literally there's a Berto sized door. Like, you know, there's a, <laughs> I'm standing in my own way, essentially. There, I'm standing there and there's a Berto shaped outline door. And I'm like, wait, if I just take a step to the side, I can make progress, you know? And that was kind of like a big eye opening thing um, for me this year. But, what was um, it that, uh, what was it that brought about that? What would, what would you say in the last year you've been doing differently? What actionable things have you been doing differently that have really been improving Everything. And also, I want to mention that the your company is uh, Saber Media. Yeah, yeah, Saber Media. Um, uh, where can people find that, by the way? Um, you could I have a YouTube channel. There's not much on it. Um, Saber Media. But or, it's really good. What yeah, is on there is really good. It's a couple good. of shorts and stuff, some test footage. Um, you can find me on Instagram at sabermedia.com. Um, com. <laughs> find me on Instagram. I'm so old school. At saber.com. What are the kids doing these days? <laughs> um, so, like, I'm on Instagram at Saber Media. Twitter, I believe I'm at Berto... Um, I, I don't use Twitter much. I should probably use it more. Or you can find me on Facebook, Alberto Triana, or my Facebook page, Saber Media. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Right. So, uh, cool. Check that out, please. I implore you. Um, so when, when, what, what, what this year do you, do you feel like what changes, what, what big change or changes do you um, think you've made? 
definitely learning to say no yeah. to things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I severely underestimated how powerful that is and how positive it could be. Because when I think of the word no, mm-hmm. I think you always, you always think of negative. Like, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. But it goes back to me valuing valuing myself and putting myself as a priority. So I have to say no to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a hard thing for me to do because, I mean, I, I love what I do in every capacity, whether I'm directing or I'm cinematographer or anything. I just love the process. I love what I do. Yeah. And if I can help other people along the way, I love that because I recognize that I did not get here on my own, you know, as, as uh, I've had help along the way. And it's only fair that I help people. And, you know, it got to the point, though, unfortunately for me, it started to feel a little detrimental where, you know, I can't pour from an empty cup. So I have to, you know, I have to replenish myself and I need to get myself to a certain level before I can really help other people the way I really, really want to, you know, cause yeah, I can help somebody shoot their project and then that's it. And then I go on and continue to what I'm doing. And, you know, maybe the film does something, maybe it doesn't go anywhere. And then, you know, I look back on it like, you know, well, I'm glad I helped them, but ultimately I didn't really achieve anything with that. And that has nothing to do with the other person. Mm -hmm. It's just what I was able to bring to them. And it was just like, you know, whether I'm just your cinematographer or if I can actually help you put the film somewhere else, like I want to get to the point where, my name means something, you know? Right. And ultimately, I think we all kind of do in whatever regard we're doing. But, you know, if I come on board and I help someone make a film, I want them to see my name in the credits and be like, oh, yeah, I can, we'll pick this up. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we could put it in this festival because they just know. And that's, I'm not there yet. And I need, and that's what I want to get to, to that point. Um, that's such an interesting, <laughs> and we always, all the, we all the time say that, we're almost always, even when we don't, like, check in or have, like, big conversations, it almost feels like we're in similar paths. Yeah, always. Going in the same, in the same direction and we're, we're garnering the same ideas and the same types of things are happening for us. And I don't think that's by accident. I don't think so either. Because it's, it's funny because, like, especially over the last, I would say maybe the last five or maybe even less. Yeah. Um, the last, especially the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really see the parallels in where we're going and, <laughs> and our, what our, we're doing and our approaches, even though we're not doing the same thing. Cause I, yeah. I, you know, I look over and I see you, you know, voice acting, I see you doing comedy, you know, whether it was improv comedy or stand up yeah. or, you know, voice acting, podcasting, like you're all over the place. And I'm just sitting there like, shit, this dude does like so much. I'm over here just trying to make a movie. <laughs> Right, but I look at you and I'm like, fuck, dude, he's like doing, because you do, when you say you're making a movie, to a lot of people, they don't know what the fuck that means. You are... Oh, there's still parts that I'm still learning, like, I'm like, oh, this is part of making a movie? Holy shit. You're fucking directing? (laughs) I mean, here's the the, the testament to Saber Media and what you've done, is those shorts were shot for nothing, on no budget, and with you being the primary creative force behind all of it. So you directed it, you wrote it, you edited it, you were the cinematographer, like you did every fucking thing. And I, you know, I, yeah, that's true. And I, I'm very proud of that. Um, I did that as kind of a, a statement to myself. I had something to prove to myself at that time. Yeah. Because that was right when I started Saber Media. So I knew. That was right at the change. It was right at the change. It was, you know, that little switch in my brain went on. And, um, you know, that was ultimately what I ended up, you know, if I said, hey, if I'm going to do this, I got to see 
how I stack up. I got to, you know, I got to test my metal. I got to see what I'm really made of. Can I do this? Can you, and can you do this on your own? Yeah. And can I do this on my own? Because for a long time, I feel like it's easy when I work with a group and I don't know if this is for everybody, maybe it's just for me. Yeah. But when I work in a team, which I, you know, again, I love working with a team because it's great because it, the, the collaboration brings, in my opinion, brings the best out of everybody. Yeah. Um, sometimes though, I feel that I get comfortable when I have a lot of really creative people around me Mm -hmm. where I kind of take my foot off the gas a little bit. I'm like, Oh, I don't have to worry about that. Somebody else got it. (laughs) Yeah. And that's something that I'm trying not to do anymore, but I didn't realize I was doing it. Um, but I would purposely not do things because I'm like, Oh, they've got it. Oh, don't worry. I have someone to take care of that. Yeah. And with that mindset, I kind of crippled myself for a couple years. Um, I, I don't think I progressed the way I should have because I had that mentality. Yes. Um, and it has nothing to do with anyone that I was working with because they ever, you know, everyone's been really wonderful and they bring their own artistry and their own craft, which is great. And I learned from watching other people. Um, but it was time. It but was it was time, time for you to. Yeah. And it was time for me to kind of <laughs> like leave the nest and like do my thing and see what I can do. And I, you know, I did a couple of short films and, um, you know, the first one I did, I think, was uh, Now Following. It was like a horror short film. It was literally, I was the only crew. Yeah. And the cast was literally two people. And one of them only, you know, was only in it for like a shot or two. Um, but you took it from beginning to end. And that's something that 99% of people cannot do competently. No, and that's the thing, too. Like, I try to... I try to, the biggest thing I try to instill in people now versus before, like when I just say, I want to help you out. Oh yeah. Let me help you make your movie. I think the biggest change in the way I help people now is that if I could help them realize what I realized is that you, and this has nothing to do with filmmaking. This is just in general, like in life. Yeah. You have the power, like you have all the power you need to do what you, you know, to yeah. get, to go get yours. Yeah. But it's, you know, and it, it's, I'm not going to, it's, it's scary and it's tough because you think about it and you think of all the, you know, how daunting of a task it can be. But if you, if you attack it and you believe in it and you just, you know, systematically break it down before you know it, you'll be the, you look back and you're already in the end zone, <laughs> you know, you're like, Oh yeah. Hey, I already, you know, I just did that. Like, cool. <clears throat> and, um, there's a great clip that, uh, I play every once in a while. Cause anytime I get kind of out of it, you know, cause I'm human, I, I don't just, you know, I I falter, I fall. Yeah. Um, there's a great clip of uh, Idris Elba and he talks about um, swimming and he applies it to life and like things that he wants to do or challenges he faces. And um, he talks about how, you know, if he looks at, you know, if he has to swim 25 laps, mm-hmm. he knows he can't do it. But if he just keeps his head down and keeps swimming and doesn't look up and doesn't keep count, he just swims back and forth, back and forth, just keep grinding before you know it. He looks up and he's like, I'm already there. And that was one of the most powerful things that like did like hit me really hard. I was like, you know what? I just got to work. And I think a lot of people are afraid of the work. And why? Once, uh, fear of failure, maybe. Maybe yeah. they're not good enough. Maybe, uh, maybe they'll realize that, you know, maybe I was just wasting my time this whole time. But you know what? Even if it wasn't for you, you know, I would rather, <laughs> I would rather fail hard going after what I want and then knowing that like, okay, I gave it a shot and this isn't what I was meant to do. Yeah. But, um, you know, then to always fall back on something and then wonder and regret, 
Um, and I think that's something that I actively fight against. And I know you do too. Like, you know, when that time comes, cause it, you know, it always will. Um, at the end of the day, you can look back and say, I gave it everything I had. You know, I, I gave yeah. it the best shot I had. I got as far as I could. And regardless of where I land, I live the life doing what I want to do. And ultimately, you know, that's all we can do. And like you, you get one shot at this. So, you know, you might as well do what you want because if you're in a job or you're in a relationship or you're in anything that you're just not happy about it, why are you doing it? You have the power to change it. Why are you doing it? There, right. there are so many ways and don't say money. Like don't say money is the reason why you're in this shitty job. There are ways to make money doing other things that will enable you to do what you want to do. Yeah. You know, maybe you have to get a part-time job to, you know, switch over to what you're doing. Maybe you have to do this or that. Maybe you got to couch surf for a little bit just to kind of like get your, you know, to recalibrate. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you really want it, you know, you should go for it. Um, Let's talk about your journey. What did you do? Because, okay, because here, uh, 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 we both went to UNLV. Yeah. So we were even roommates in college. Well, we, yeah, it didn't originally work out that way. <laughs> Let's tell that story yeah. first. <laughs> I'll tell that back story. Around. Let's tell that story. So it's great. Now, rewind back to 2007, 2008. Yeah. We just graduated. We had an amazing Europe mm-hmm. trip. Um, we got to see a lot of cool shit. Um, so we're getting ready for college and, um, Brent's, you know, like we're talking about UNLV. We're like, yeah, it's perfect because, you know, there was a, there was a good scholarship program with Hawaii students that you could transfer over. You get a little scholarship, you get a scholarship, Western States. And, um, you know, it was, it, it had the programs we were looking for the cost of living was lower and it was a drive from california it wasn't like california was un- untainable right and i want to clarify you were the smarter one uh because i was like i don't know i'm fucking california or something and you were like you and be i went yeah yeah so my thought process was you know if, if i went straight to california right after high school to try and pursue film i felt like i would have failed instantly i would have got lost in the sea that is la and i would not have made a difference i would not have made a splash um, so in my head, I thought, you know what, Las Vegas, it's, it's four hours away. If I need to go, we can drive, we can fly. It's, it's, it's close. It's doable. Mm-hmm. And you explained that to me. And yeah. the second you said that to me, I was like, oh shit. I didn't even think about that. I wasn't even thinking about it. And I was like, I'm sold. I'm sold a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, you know, and then literally I think the next day I'm like, hey, Brent, so uh, I, I know we're going to UNLV, but uh, I'm going to Chicago to play football because I ended up getting a scholarship to go play at uh, Lake Forest. You got a full ride. Yeah, it was a full ride. It was weird because they gave me a, uh, <laughs> it was like a uh, a Samoan heritage scholarship. <laughs> you got and I'm all like, kinds of And shit. I'm like, I'm not Samoan. <laughs> I'm not Hawaiian. I grew up in Hawaii. And yeah. But I can see, you know, oh, a lineman from Hawaii, of course. So I'm like, okay, I guess. Yeah. But still. But, um, yeah, so that was supposed to happen. And I remember, like, thinking, oh, shit, this is not what I was thinking. This is not what I planned. I remember you had a full ride plus money. Yeah. So there, you had, you, you it would have been, yeah. yeah. They were going to pay you to come play football yep. at this little, what, third division school? Yeah, it was like a private school, like a private college fucking so, crazy man um the education probably would have been really good 
so right so i so i was already you were in <laughs> i was like you and lv i didn't i didn't even apply to any other fucking school yeah like that's how stupid i was at the time like yeah <laughs> i didn't apply to anywhere else i was like okay cool you and lv will do it yeah. um so you you get this but but i yeah so i get the scholarship and you're like but... well sorry brent and i and i felt bad <laughs> Because I just pitched you on this like idea, and you were so gun ho, and I'm like, oh god, yeah. How do I tell him this? But um, spoiler alert, it worked out in the end. Um, yeah, so I go to Chicago. I look at their programs and literally come back because I'm just like, no, it just when it's in your gut and you don't feel it, you just don't feel it, man. Like if it, if it's not right, you gotta go. And it was hard. It was a hard decision to make. It was really scary. Um, right, because you were not only turning down uh, a full ride, you were turning down football. Yeah, which was another big thing. Like, you, but like it, the thing that made it interesting was that I, and that comes from. You need to understand yourself, and you need to know what it is you really want. Yeah, because I think if I didn't know what I really wanted, and I was just kind of going along, I would have stayed in Chicago. It would, it would have been a totally different life. But I knew from a young age that I wanted to be a filmmaker and the school that I was going to did not have a film program. So right. that was the biggest thing. And I said, I can't do this. Cause even in my head, I'm like, okay, maybe I can do a year or two here and then transfer and meet up with Brent. And that's you know, what at you, this point, that's what you said. You were like two yeah. years and, and then, then I'll I transfer can... over, you know, that was the whole thing. And then it just was like, no, why am I trying to make this work when it, to me, it doesn't, it wasn't there. You can't put a, you can't put a price on it, man. Like, and it's, it's, it's tough. And that was one of those big life decisions that I, I look back at every once in a while, but I would never, you know, if you ask people, oh, would you go back and change? I'm like, no, absolutely not. I'd make the same decision every single time. Right. I was settling into the dorm at UNLV and I got a phone call from yep. you. <laughs> yep. And you were like, hey man, so um, I'm sitting in the airport yeah. <laughs> in Chicago. Yeah, I'm heading back. And you were like, I'm, uh, I'm not going to stay. And I was like, <laughs> what the pause because <laughs> so, it took me a second to consider what the fuck you were telling me yeah and i was like w what <laughs> and you're like yeah man i just figured out that i don't want to be here so uh <laughs> just laughed i remember we it's laughed tough. so hard it's tough and it's <clears throat> to turn it down was really tough but yeah i'm glad i did and you know the next semester so i took the semester off worked at you worked at Borders, I worked at wasn't Borders it? when yeah. Borders was still a thing, which is sad <laughs> that it's not anymore. But I worked for a semester and then came up and, you know, we reconvened, became roomies and got to work. Like, you know, so it was just, you know, even though I missed a semester, it's almost like I didn't really miss a beat. But, you know, that was kind of the, <laughs> the trajectory of how it went from there, from, you know, us in high school to eventually getting to the same place in Las Vegas. And now here we are 11 years later. Um, and yeah, I know, right? It doesn't seem like that long. And no. yet we've been, I mean, we've been fucking roommates for 11 years. Like we basically, been, yeah. which is crazy. Um, so we went to college, um, we were working, um, outside of that with a company called Somnium Productions, Indie Film it Company. Was, well, yeah, it was, uh, it was Brass, Brass Taurus before, before that. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> we became very integrated into this indie mm -hmm. Film crew and yeah, a lot uh, of good people learned a lot. Like it was just what was great about it was it was the perfect timing with kind of like the right people. And it was just a lot of people that were looking to do something good. Yeah. And that just needed kind of each other. Like it was a, it was a really cool experience. Right. And uh, 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 we 
So, and and it was cool because we were going to college and learning a bunch of shit and then going to apply it. And on... then literally, like, so Monday through Thursday, learning theory, and then Friday through Sunday, applying it in the field. Yeah, and we were really applying that shit hard. Like, dude, we <laughs> we didn't sleep a lot in that no, time period. No, there wasn't a lot of sleep. Um, there was also a lot of Left 4 Dead, though. So. There's also a lot of Left 4 Dead. Oh, my God, that game. <laughs> but um, anyway. But you were smart enough to drop out of college halfway through. <laughs> and I was fucking not. Had I been smarter, I would have dropped out. Like while I don't necessarily, well, it, it, when it comes to film or like certain things, yes, I do not believe you need the degree to be a filmmaker. I one hundred percent, I stand by that. Yes, but everyone's journey is different, mm-hmm. and some people need structure in their life. They need school. They need those programs. And some schools offer really amazing programs, and some teachers reach people differently. It has nothing to do with you know, the UNLV film program and like me just wanting to be like, oh, I'm out this, you know, I'm out this bitch. It's just, yeah. it got to the point where the biggest reason I left was because I'm spending time in class learning things that I'm already doing and I was missing out on job opportunities to go do that. Right. So that's where I found myself going, wait, this is a little redundant. And I understand the concept of you got to spend money to make money, but... Because you were damn. taking and you were taking a cinematography route at the time too, so you were learning a lot of yeah, a lot of camera work, camera a lot of, editing, a lot of shit that you could literally go make money off. And of. that was and that was kind of how I got my in in the freelance world was that you know the editing I think was the first thing that got me in the door, and uh, camera work because those are two things people are always going to need. They're always going to need someone to shoot something. They're always going to need someone to edit something. Um, you know, so that was a thing that if I can kind of like help like young filmmakers like if you want to like have a job like going in teach yourself those skills because those are skills people are always going to need um i know everyone wants to sit there and be like well i want to direct yeah no one's just going to give you that job no one's going to be like you know who direct this that fucking kid i never heard of (laughs) hey you kid you want to direct this fucking movie like that's not going to happen let me make an application form like show me your degree it's not like we're going to be on set and the director sprains his knee like oh no i can't direct the scene and they're like you kid you know, they, they toss you the hat and you're like, all right, you know? <laughs> they toss you the hat because the hat's the important <laughs> the thing. The hat's the part that makes you the director. <laughs> That's the important thing. <laughs> all directors wear director hats. It's the same thing I talk, you know, when I talk to some people that are, um, that are currently working, you know, they work as PAs. Yeah. And uh, they're trying to get into the AC game and the and the cam op game. Assistant and, cameras. Yeah, AC assistant cameras. Yeah, yeah, so Just AC wanna, is yeah. a assistant camera, so they help with, you know, building the camera, lenses, batteries car all that's basically you're helping out the cameraman um and they were trying to you know like how do i get to that level and i'm like well no one's no one's ever going to really take a gamble on you you have to believe that it's it's you're not just going to win the lottery Mm -hmm. like people need to get that thought out of their fucking head like right now yeah it's not going to happen that way um you have to put in the work you have to put in the time you have to show and prove yourself this is an industry where you have to really prove yourself. And even the people that, you know, you think about, well, what about so-and-so? They just came out of nowhere. They're an overnight success. That's bullshit. They've been working for 10 or 15 years leading up to that. And even this, even the certain people, I, you know, I was even certain people that have careers that aren't necessarily good. You can't knock the hustle. Like that's the one thing, like maybe this person wasn't great, but they were smart enough to get in the room and to work that relationship to now have the opportunity all that does is put you in a room and set you up in a place where you can actually give it a shot. Whether you fail or succeed, that ultimately comes down to you. But you cannot knock the hustle of whatever it takes to get into that room. 
Um, so what I would to kind of go back to what I was saying about you know young filmmakers mm-hmm. or just you know young anybody, but you know specifically I'm talking to filmmakers right now. You have to prove yourself. So part of the reason what I did what I did was when I did Saber Media when I transitioned to be more self sufficient. I had to show that I can edit. I had to show that I can shoot. I had to show that I can light. I had to show that I can do all these things that I can write. I can concept. I can put it together because no one's going to take your word for it. You you can't just go in there and be like, trust me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, like it's, it's, <laughs> why do you think when you go for like, you go to get a house or loans or whatever, you got to show proof of, you know, you got to show you your proof of your income. Yeah. They're going to be like, no, seriously, trust me though. And they're like, okay, it's not going to happen like that. And if you do, that person is extremely gullible. And send them my way, because I could use some help. Some fucking money. <laughs> Just give me some money. Yeah. But, um, you know, so ultimately you have to do it. And it's tough, because you have to make the time for yourself. So during those that early transition, and I'm going through it again right now. Um, when I made that transition, I turned down a lot of work. I turned down a lot of PA work. I turned down a lot of AC work. Cool. Because I wanted to DP and I wanted to cam up. I knew that I deserved it. And I knew that I was ready, but I had to show people. So I had to make these films and show people what I can do. Um, and it's scary because you you kind of have to turn away a paycheck every once in a while. And some people, it's the most terrifying thing in the world. But if you believe in that you can put it together and if you have wonderful friends and family who support you, um, it, it's definitely a lot easier. But at the end, you have to kind of believe in yourself and what you can do. And it led to some of the best, you know, jobs that I got. And I mean, I'm working this weekend. I'm shooting for esports this weekend. I would not have gotten a cam op job for something like that if I couldn't prove myself. If people didn't look at my work and said, this guy knows what he's doing with a camera. Yeah. And you one know? thing leads to another. And then one person says, oh, you do good work. Let exactly. me hire you on for this. And it's it's funny because you need to, you know, you need to make friends in this industry. Like, because it's all about who you know. And it, the funny part is, is that my freelance career I've never really hunted for work. Um, the work always seems to find me, which is interesting. Um, but again, you know, you surround yourself with good people and people that look out for you. And, you know, you just do right by them and they'll take care of you. Like there's, you know, one of the one of the best <laughs> people that I work with on a constant, you know, like Michael Sue. Yeah. You know, is a local, you know, filmmaker here in Las Vegas. He has been so, you know, so wonderful for my freelance career and like my career as a filmmaker that you know, he calls me and passes me all these jobs. And now that it's like, you know, at first he was like, Hey man, you know, he would just get me a job because he wanted to put money in my pocket. Like, Hey man, you, you want to come out grip, help with this, help with that. Yeah. I was like, of course. Cause I love helping him out. We're friends and you know, it's always a good time on set, but now it's at a point now where he can call me and be like, Hey man, you want to DP this? Or, Hey, do you want to be, you know, do you want to be my other cam op so we can shoot this together? Absolutely. Because he knows that's where I'm trying to put my career. And, you know, I've had to prove myself. I had to show him that I'm capable. And that only comes from, again, going back to my other point, you have to make the time for what you want in life. If you want to get to a certain point, you have to make the time. If you if you want to lose weight, you got to work out. You got to diet. If mm-hmm. you want to learn more, you have to put yourself out. You got to read more books. You got to watch more videos. If you want to do this, you want to do it. You have to do the work. And ultimately, there is no shortcut. You just have to do it. Every morning... Um, I get up every morning and I'm on YouTube and I'm nine times out of every once in a while, I watch like a silly video or something stupid or like yeah. a trailer to a movie just because I need that in my life sometimes, but <laughs> something to um, aspire to. Yeah. <laughs> and, but nine times out of 10, I'm watching filmmakers. I'm watching film analysis. I'm watching what do you watch? gear. 
Um, the, one, the big ones? Oh, man. I really like... It sucks because the channel is kind of changing now. But um, Channel Chriswell was really good. Okay. They do some really great video analysis. Lessons from the Screenplay is really, really good. Um, Nerd Writer. Nerd Writer comes to mind. But Nerd Writer is just... I mean, Nerd Writer is so universal. Yeah. Which is just so wonderful. Um, I love watching, like, Film Riot, you know, because he just... You know, Ryan Connolly just really speaks to the indie filmmaker. Yeah. Um, the indie film hustle. I love that one too. Uh, podcasts. You know, now I'm listening to podcasts when I'm at the gym and I'm working out, but it's all about like script notes yeah. or the Q and A and stuff like that. Just because you need to immerse yourself in it, you need to you need to be constantly taking in knowledge. Q and A is a great podcast. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like you need to ingest it however you can. Even if you're just going on a long drive, just play it in your car. You're working out, play it, you know. Sometimes uh, when I take a shower, I'll just have my phone on speaker sometimes just so I can hear it while I'm in the shower. But, yeah. you know, it's just about making the time for it. And because, um, you know, and I, it's funny because I just watched a video this morning. Um, it was about Michael B. Jordan. I was watching a lot of interviews with him. Yeah. And one of the videos he talks about was what is his daily routine like? And he just kind of walks you through what his day is like. And I've seen a couple of those other videos. And the one thing they all have in common is that A, they get up hella early. So that's something I'm working on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and B, they make the time to work on themselves. Um, you know, whether it's them reading scripts or it's them working out or them dying because, you know, if they're actors, they need to stay in shape. It's the same thing with me, like with filmmaking. I need to take, you know, your health is so important um, because if, you know, in this industry, you're working 12 to 18 hour days, long hours, you know, you're lifting equipment, days, moving stuff. Yeah, you need very to, physical, especially for the, for a, a director of photography, a yeah, cinematographer, any, yeah. you know, anything camera related. Um, you, you need to be able to sustain, you need to be physical enough to, to, to do the job. And, um, you know, so that's something that like me and my, my, my current, uh, business partner, Hassani Johnson, like, yeah, he, he'll call me out on days. He's like, did you go to the gym? I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm going, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Cause he's like, I need you, bro. I need you to keep up with me kind of thing. And this dude's like a gymnast and an athlete. And I'm like, shit, I got to keep up with that guy. <laughs> But um, I just you know, block big people from yeah. Like, I was like, God get damn. for the quarterback, yeah. But um, but but the but the great thing is that, you know, what he what he really kind of like drilled like you know drilled into my mindset is that you know think of it as investing in yourself. You are your ultimate greatest tool. Yeah. You know you you in your entirety. You know you hear those sayings, healthy mind, healthy body. Mm -hmm. You know it's so true because if you're not. If you can't hang, man, you can't, if you can't go the distance, you can't, you know, how do you expect to win? You know, if you could, if you gas out in a couple rounds, you're kind of useless, you know? And um, I always take it back to a sports analogy. Yeah. But, oh, what were you going to say? I was going to ask you, how do you, uh, so you, you, you said something very interesting, which was you got in through shooting and editing. Yeah. And, uh, uh. You said if people want to become filmmakers, like that, that's a great place to start because you can get starting pay. You can get started getting paid right away. Start making connections. How in your mind? Because I know that you don't enjoy the editing process. Like there are things that you enjoy about it, but like you don't want to be an editor, for example. Does it, that make sense? Yeah, I love, <laughs> I love editing in the same way that I love writing. I love the idea of it. Right, <laughs> right, but it's not the thing that makes you alive. It's no, not the, no, absolutely it's not. It's not like, your true passion. How I, do you? Yeah, 
because a lot of it is what what kills it for me is the technical side of it. Like I hate sitting at a keyboard just like typing away, hitting keys, and so I just I I hate it so much. Right. Um, I really feel like I'm alive when I'm on set or I'm sitting in a room with somebody and we're just kind of like brainstorming, snowballing, or if I'm just sitting in a room just thinking about the script or the story. Yeah. But um, so so how do you because we're we're living in the world right now, right? Of like and and we're talking about things that are like you need to go out and do the things that you love, the things that you're passionate about. How what in your head was going on? When you were saying, I'm going to do this for money um, in the short game right now because I know it'll help me on the long game. Like, how do you reconcile those two things of like, this isn't what I want, but I'm going to do this right now. Out of necessity. Out yeah. of necessity. Like, what is what is your thought process on that? Um, it's the same. I feel like it's the same, like. Because you're editing something yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, because I'm editing. I'm I, I, you were editing, and I, I said, I'm hey, editing earlier, yeah. Do you want to be on my podcast? And you're um, like, sure, I can take a break, yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think with a lot of things, um, and I don't know if this is just, like, my mindset or, like, yeah. things that I've noticed or I've seen, but you kind of have to do what you need to get to the point where you can do what you want. Fuck. Um, That's... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just, like, if I want to get here, I need to do this. Yeah. And if I, if, you know, if I want to like, for example, like with a short film that I did and I did pretty much everything myself, I hate doing sound, but I had to do it because I can't do a film without sound. So yeah. I went and I did all the Foley, I did all the ADR, I did all the mixing, I did all the effects. Uh, I was learning some after effects cause you know, the shot I wanted to do, but I hate that type of stuff. I don't like doing it. I like it when I watch it, I respect it and I, I understand it. But as a personal, like me having to go do it, God, I, I it's don't, tedious. I don't like do. I don't like the tediousness of it. Um, but for yeah, for anyone, you know, you have to do which the same thing. Like it's called paying your dues. You know, you got to look at it like that. You got to pay your dues in some respect or another. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the way. Like when I think of people working at freelance, like you know, being a being a production assistant, a PA, that's paying your dues. Yeah. You know, because you have to be on a set. You need to show that hey, I can be here. I can be dependable. I can be reliable. I can, you know, be on standby if somebody needs something. I can do swing. I can, you know what I mean? So you need to establish yourself that way first. Then, you know, if you're on break, you have lunch, you have, you, you start befriending the crew and the other people on your lunch break or when you're off. Never yeah. do this when you're on like active set. Um, then you can tell people like, hey man, you know, I also do this. Could you check this out? You know, which is why I think it's important to do like a real or a short film because- yep. People are always like, oh, you want to read my script? I'm like, no. Nobody wants to no. read a fucking script. It's so like, hard. I don't, I don't want to read your feature-length script. I don't, want to read, I, I don't want to read your script. I want to see something that I can just, you know, look at and be like, cool, right yep. on. Yep. Um, because, again, I'm not the guy who's going to make your script. Like, unless you're hiring me to make your script, then I'll be like, I would absolutely love to read your script. Which, for <laughs> those of you, I know that I have uh, listeners who are creative. If you do have a script that you would like to get made... You can reach out because that is a, a service that you provide. Absolutely, yeah. I've helped. I've helped a couple of people, especially one of the things I love about the last couple of years was helping like first time directors. Um, I helped uh, two two particular ones. Um, Destiny uh, Destiny Nelson. Um, she wrote and directed and shot her. You know, I, I DP'd and produced, but uh, she directed and wrote her first short film, mm -hmm. and I helped her make it. And it was such a 
to see her grow and learn as a creative person because you know she's she's a singer she's a dancer she's an actress she's just one of the most talented she's people very I know. brilliant yeah um but to see her grow as a creative in these different fields and to have a much deeper understanding of filmmaking in general and how it you know how she can come and edit like she would come by and edit at our place because she didn't have you know a computer to edit so yep. offered her our spare computer and she would be putting in the hours and i'm sitting there watching like just so proud of her but i would see her struggle and there's a part of me that's like good yeah. <laughs> like good you understand but you th- know there's a there's an empathy was, and an understanding yeah. you get from struggling and then you're you understand that better yeah absolutely like my whole thing is um i learn best when i fuck something up like so bad i'm yeah. like oh god because i remember how i felt and i remember feeling like a piece of shit and just feeling like a loser mm-hmm. and i'm like i don't ever want to feel that way so I will never make that mistake again. I wish it didn't take such extremes for me to learn a lesson sometimes, but you know, that is ultimately the best way for me to learn. That's human. You know, yeah. yeah. So but you know, I'm trying to be proactive. I'm trying to, you know, keep learning something, learn something new. Um I'm also trying to, you know, because like you know what is what is it, uh what the ten thousand hours to master something. Yeah. You fucking know what's his face. So yeah. it's like, you know, you gotta put in the you gotta put in the time. You gotta put in the hours. And um what was great was I saw Destiny put in the hours and I saw her do really well and I also saw her struggle and I saw her overcome, most importantly. And I couldn't be more proud and happy about that. Yeah. Um her film's playing next week. Uh, I'm not sure when this comes out, but um it, it's this comes out today oh cool yeah it's playing at the culver city film festival next week which is really cool she's been in a few film festivals so i'm i'm really happy what's the name of the film again the trap the trap yeah so it was, you know it's it was quite a journey for her and i'm really proud um another first time director i worked <laughs> with a couple years back was a, a good friend of mine jackie gerhardy uh, oh, yeah i did yeah it was a script. short film called alibi it was really funny really good script and it was a great experience because I get to see these people learn and grow. And the whole, the biggest thing I try to provide as someone who comes and help you is to not deny you of learning experiences. I will give you my professionalism. I will give you my artistry. I will give you what I can do, mm-hmm. but I will not deny you an opportunity to learn something very important. And if that means you have to make a mistake here and there, you're going to make a mistake here and there. Because you, you DP'd, you, you were a director of photography, which means that you were behind the camera. Yeah, I, I saw everything that was happening through the lens. And whatever she asked you to do, you did. And there were things that, and I would explain to them, like, you know, on different occasions. And I would be like, look, this is my opinion, but at the end of the day, it is your film. And mm-hmm. you need to do this. And when it doesn't work out, you're going to need to, you, you will understand in editing. And I remember at one point or another, both of them going, that's what you meant by that. I'm like, Exactly. And now you'll never make that mistake again. Right. And they'll never make that mistake again in directing because yeah. they understand what it takes to do editing. Yeah. And they understand what you mean as a cinematographer, like what you're seeing and what yeah. you're looking yeah, at. Yeah, and, like, and, and to and to, to, to clarify, um, they're little mistakes. It's not like I let them like make a huge fucking mistake and their film doesn't make sense anymore. Right. I will not let you ruin you're your not film. Gonna let, yeah. You will have a film by the end of it. Right, right, right. But, but you understand the importance of their own mistakes. Exactly, exactly. Because at the end of the day, you know, every shortcoming is just a learning experience. You know, every mistake is something to learn from. So it's something that, again, well, it's great about sports and also what's so wonderful, like it's it's terrible at the same time, but wonderful about this industry that we're in is that you fail more than you succeed. 
Yes. And a lot of people are scared of that and are terrified of that. But it's actually one of the most powerful things you could do because you, if you fail, like if you just fail hard and fast, you learn quicker. Right. You know what I mean? So then you bounce back quicker and now you're even better. Um, it's, it's, um, it's a, it's an interesting thing, but a lot of people don't look at it that way. And I, if I make a mistake, yeah, I feel shit. I feel like shit for like five, 10 minutes. And I'm like, Oh God, oh, existential crisis. I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> but then I'm like, Oh no, no, this is great. It's cause I'm not going to make that mistake again. It's the same thing. I look back at it and it's just like, well, I, if I think about it, the way I played sports was like, well, fuck, I messed up, but I got to get back in the huddle. I got to get back on there. Again, the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. There's still game to play. There's still game to play. I'm not done. You know, so I look at it that way. So every time I make a mistake or a short film or a script or something quite work out, I'm like, shit. All right. Well, how can I adjust? How can I adapt? How can I get back in that huddle, come up with a new play and no, go fucking score this touchdown? You know what I mean? How can I go do that right now? And, you know, it's tough because a lot of people, a lot of people get, you know, they, they get kind of beaten down by it. And, you you know, we've seen a lot of our like good yes. friends just like. Yes. Failure. Failure is something that you have to be able to get used to. And I think that that's why I think I learned that from improv. Yeah. I think that the things that you learned from sports early on were things that I only learned during improv and filmmaking when we were doing that shit. And like I I saw the value in it and changed as a human being fundamentally because of it. And it's team teamwork oriented things are so because you have to hold yourself accountable not just to yourself, but to other to people. everyone else, yeah. And, like, that that's... It's its its incredible how much it changes in the distinction, right? Between, mm. between I want to do my best, uh, I, want, I want to be the best me that I can be, and then the next step after that, I think, which we're talking about is, I want to be the best that I can be in service of, other, in, yeah. uh, of others. Yeah. And that tiny distinction is huge oh yeah absolutely it's humongous absolutely and i think i think that's been going back to like the beginning the transition period i think for both of us yeah was that discovery was that understanding of like you know (laughs) i don't want to just be as blunt about it but you got to get yours you know what i mean at the end of the day like you have to you have to go get yours because if you can't if you can't go get yours, how are you going to help someone get theirs? Right. You can only you know? give you, you, how much you can help others is a direct reflection of how much you have. Yeah. How much you can give is, exactly. is only how much you have. A friend of mine calls it, uh, doesn't say, it doesn't say, because uh, there is being selfish, but then there's also something that he calls selfing. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not being selfish. I'm selfing. Yeah. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, because you—that is fantastic. Because like selfish a has a negative connotation. It does connotation it does. to it, and it, it just and in something that I w- what I was going to bring up that is so incredible to me that you fucking brought up is that when we were 18, 19, I think that I think I said we were talking about about films and things that we were doing, and I was like, "Fuck, man, yeah." And you brought it up again tonight, and you said. Um, you have to do what you need to to do what you want to. And that's so fun because I was like, oh man, like, you know, you shouldn't settle and blah, blah. And you're like, no, I got to do what I need to to do what I want to do eventually. Yeah. And that's fucking so profound to me 
where in your life has that, like, talk to me a little bit about that idea. Where, is there a place that you got that from that you saw it, or is it just something that's developed? Like, because you told that to me 10 years ago, and I was going to bring that up tonight as, like, something so profound <laughs> you said to me. that I Yeah, that, and then you brought it up again tonight, well, and I, I laughed really hard when you said it, because I was like, holy fuck, like... Okay, it's it's well, still a big part of I'm it. I'm glad that like something I said had like any sort of impact. That's kind of cool. Yeah, um, it was a huge it's, impact. It's, it's weird because I don't, if I'm being completely honest, I don't have a aha moment of when that made sense to me. It yeah. just felt like something I'm supposed to do. And it just felt like the way the world was. Um, I looked at it going, okay, no one, like the biggest thing is that no one owes you a goddamn thing. Yep. And, you know, they're not just going to give it to you. Like, you always hear, like, you know, good things come to those who wait. And it's like, no, good things come to the people that go and get them. Yeah. Um, that was always the mentality was, so if I need to go and get to this point, I need to get there. And I feel like, I feel like, I don't know, it, there was nothing specifically. But if looking back on it, if I had to equate it to something, I think it came down to... It had to be something with like sports or something, because if I wasn't good enough, I wouldn't play. If I wasn't if I wasn't good enough, I wouldn't start. I wouldn't be this position. So if I want to get what I want, I need to do more. So I had to train. I had to practice. I had to, you know, after after a full day of practice, I would go because my, my dad was also my coach. So, yeah. you know, after practice we would go home and I would have more practice to do or on our days off, I would be practicing with him or, you know, I had a tree in my backyard and during football season, I would hit the tree. You know what I mean? Like I had to like, you know, part of my drills or when I was doing baseball, I had a giant tire that I would have to hit with a baseball bat. You know what I mean? Cause I needed to get better. My dad used to throw a, to work with my, my hand eye coordination. I remember this story. He used to throw bottle caps and I had to hit him with a broomstick. So I could hit a baseball with a bat. Right. You know, so if you could dodge a wrench, you could dodge a ball. <laughs> you know, but he would throw these bottle caps and it was the most like difficult thing because they curve, not like a baseball. Right. And to clarify, you were hitting it with the stick part. You weren't hitting it with oh, the yeah, fucking no, no, broom no. part. There was yeah. literally no broom part. It was it was the wooden <laughs> stick. He took the broom part off and then he put like electrical tape like around. So it was like a, a grip, like a yeah. handle. And um, it was, like, my favorite stick ever because I used to play with it, like, all the time. Like, it was a sword or something. But yeah. But it was also a tool for practice. But, you know, it's the same thing, you know, going in, like, it's the same mentality. I always look at it as there's levels to everything. Like, mm -hmm. life, it's, it's funny. I play a lot of video games, but life is like a fucking video game. If I want to get to there, I got to level the fuck up. And I got I to gotta go through these levels. And I got to put up with these bullshit side quests and I got to do this and that. And you got to grind. Get, you got to grind. You know what I mean? If I want, <laughs> if I want to prove a point, like I was always the guy, this is going to be really random. Then I hope, hopefully people, but yeah, they should. Um, I'm the guy that when I play Pokemon, I would pick Charmander. Yeah. And I would not fight Brock until he was Charmeleon. So I would just grind <laughs> in Viridian forest for hours. I'm that guy. I'm like, I'm going to beat the, you. Yeah. I'm going to prove a point when I beat you. That was the equivalent of uh, <laughs> uh, hitting a bottle cap with yeah. a fucking broomstick. Because everyone's like, dude, just get Butterfree and go beat his ass. I'm like, no. Not the easy way. I have to do it my way. Yeah. I have to do it my way. And, um, you know, there is, 
there is still a part of that in me where I still want to do things my way. And I still do the way I do things. I do it the way I want to do it. Mm -hmm. But if it's one thing I've learned that this industry has taught me just life in general is that you need to be fluid. You need to be open to the idea of something different, something new. Right. You need ego and humility. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, there, there needs to be a point where you understand, you need to know that whether your ego or your pride is a hindrance or if it's helping you. And, you know, for a lot of time, I try to be as humble as possible because, again, I'm just like, I'm not where I want to be. So until I'm there, I'm nobody, you know, kind of thing. But then there comes a point where, you know, you need to have that self-confidence. And that's something that I'm still fighting with and working on because, you know, a lot of times there are thoughts and things that it's like, you know, maybe, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not there yet. But then you look back and you look at the, what you've done and you're like, wait a minute, I didn't get this far because I wasn't good enough. You know what I mean? Something got me here. Yeah. So now I just need to find that missing ingredient to get me there. You know, and ultimately that's the way I look at it is, okay, if my ability to, you know, my, my filmmaking ability has got me to where I am right now, but it hasn't gotten me to where I want it to go, what is the missing variable in this equation? And that's the day to day figuring that shit out okay yeah dude <laughs> yeah. i mean and that's just everybody in general your life equation right you know, whether it is you want to be a lawyer you want to be a doctor you know whatever the fuck you know what would you say to someone who is uh uh wanting to be a filmmaker has no idea where to fucking start they want to be a director say or they want to do screenwriting or they want to do anything what what's your for what's your first step to them if you can think of anything other to do mm -hmm. go do that instead i don't mean to be negative i don't mean to be that way no i get it but this industry will beat you down it will break you yes if you let it um it will just chew you up spit you out all that shit but if you live for this and this is all you you know if you stick with it you're gonna go so you need to have that fire and you need to, the biggest thing you need to do is you cannot want it for anyone else. You got to want it for yourself. Don't, don't go into this thinking, oh, we're all going to work on this together. Like, you know, even though, you know, like for example, like when we went into it, we knew like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this part of it and you're going to do this part of it. And it works really well. And we're still, you know, working on things together here and there. But ultimately at the end of the day, the reason why we're here and where we are, where we are is because at a certain point in our lives, we said, no, I'm doing this for me. I need to do this because I need this fulfillment. Yes. And if you cannot do like, you have to approach your dream. Like no one else gives a fuck about it. Yep. You cannot expect other people to understand where you're coming from. You cannot expect other people to want it for you. You can't expect other people to lay down the groundwork for you. You need to go get it. You need to go do it yourself. And if you cannot do that, don't pursue the film industry because you can you cannot have entitlement in this industry. No, absolutely not. And I mean the only people that have that are people that are already in the business that are the son or the nephew of somebody of like you And know a lot I mean? of times they don't have long careers. No, they don't. They come and go and it's just like, all right, well they don't really do anything substantial. But um, you know, so if you have that do not let it go. Fight for it. Keep that fire alive. Surround yourself with people that will like keep that fire alive. If you surround yourself with too many negative people, it's not going to work. Um, that was the whole thing, you know, that, you know, we were dealing with and we're talking about people that are only negative and it affects you. Even if you're not the negative one, just mm -hmm. their negative outlook on things will eventually get to you. 
And, you know, some people tell me, they're like, man, bro, you're like so positive. I'm like, I have to be. Because if I was as negative, you know, if I was this, I wouldn't make it. I would have given up a long time ago. You know, so. That is something. The first thing you said, I think, can be explored a little bit because I think it's so important and it's something that needs to be said, which is try a lot of everything. Oh, yeah. Because you can't fuck. Like, if you figure out that you just really love being a plumber, like, you're going to make a lot more money. Yeah, there's no problem with that. Fucking faster with a lot less stress in your life. Yeah. Then, then beating your head, trying to think like, because like, you, you got to figure out why you want yeah, it. Yeah, especially with like such a blanket statement, like I want to be a filmmaker. Like that's such a generalized blanket statement. So yeah, there are so many departments and things that go there. So like, I just want to do this. I'm like, all right, cool. But what part of that do you want to do? Um, so that was one of the wonderful things that I know that like we both experienced in our early careers was. We learned sound. We learned some stuff about basic we camera. We learned editing. everything, we, man. You know, we learned writing. We learned all of it. Yeah. I'm still learning things right now. I'm getting ready to do... I'm getting ready to direct my first feature film, and I'm learning things that I, I'm like, oh, my God, how have I not known this? Um, but it's... Uh, you know, and I'm okay with that because it's a constant learning experience. Um, what is your why of why you do this? Why, why is this the only thing for you? Man, if you see my report cards, I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Scientist was out like, straight off the math, bat. Math, science, <laughs> the grammars aren't very great. It's like, well, I really hope this film makes it. No, um, I don't know. It's, I love, I love the creativeness of it. I love the storytelling. I think, I think I refuse to grow up. <laughs> yeah, I will grow old, but I don't think I'll ever grow up, and I love that about myself. Um, some people think I could be very childish, very mature. Sure, whatever, I don't care. Um, but I think it's that childlike fantasy, that wonder of when I was a kid, when you would play imaginary with your toys, with your friends. Yeah, when I would watch cartoons and play video games, it it takes me to this fantastic world or these things that I never dreamed would be possible. That is what filmmaking is to me, is the ability to do that and to to, craft, to create and craft worlds and craft stories that I get, I get to be a part of, but I, get, I also get to share um, yeah. ultimately with other people. Whether if I'm just a cinematographer, I get to help you see the world through my eye. If I'm directing it, I get to help you feel the world and see you know everything else. Um, so ultimately that, and it's something that, which is one of my favorite um, filmmakers, um, Guillermo del Toro. Like, you know, I, I got to, I was fortunate enough to get to see him speak at UNLV. Um, it was like a month or two ago, right? Yeah, it was like yeah. a month ago. And it was just, it was really wonderful because, you know, when people ask me, like, because everyone just knew that, like, oh, Bert loves Guillermo del Toro. I'm like, well, I do. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah. And they're like, well, what is it about, you know, what movie in particular? What's your favorite film? What's your favorite this, your favorite that? I'm like, my biggest thing is that what I'm the biggest fan about is his, is him as a person, as a creative. Mm -hmm. He truly loves film and filmmaking. And that is ultimately what I'm a fan of. I love his films. Um, They're very enjoyable. And he has a very wonderful sense of style and world. Like he's really good at world building and filling out worlds. Right. Um, But ultimately what really hits home for me with him is, He's that kid that never he never grew up out of it. And I can see that. Like I can see him light up when he talks about his films, when he talks about his monsters. 
And I see that in myself of like that childlike wonder. And I hope I never lose that. And that was ultimately why I like to, why I like to make films is that I like to tell these stories. I like to express myself. It makes you feel alive. It does. And, And if I can capture that feeling and more importantly, if I can share it with someone and they feel that too, like if someone can see that and go, wow, this person really loves what they do and they, they went along this journey with me, it was worth it. You know what I mean? If they get to experience the things that I love and they can go, I really enjoyed that, it was worth it. So, Yeah, life change. Like, you know, it, yeah, it, it and could change people's life with a movie. One of the, one of the best things, because um, we, we did a short film that came out early this year, me and Hassani, mm-hmm. um, it's called Red Hood It. It's a fan film. You check it on YouTube. Um, we take Red Hood, cross them over with it pennywise it's fun check it out it's only like 16 minutes red hood from the batman universe yeah, uh yeah. versus it from the movie it yes. universe <laughs> <laughs> the it universe but um yeah go you know <clears throat> please but, go check that out it is it, it will be worth your time and it's the as far as i know it's the most recent thing that you've shot that's out right now right yeah because everything else is in post or pre-production and it's the first um, thing that you and hasani worked on together yeah, like like first real like legitimate project. Yeah. So that it's a really exciting piece, and it's so fucking good. Thank you. Thank if you. you if you like are sitting there and you like Batman and that universe, or you like it, or you like both, go check it out. You won't be disappointed. Yeah. Um, the reason I the the so the reason I brought that up was that one of the conversations we had early on, and um, I think this is where I kind of let him know who I was as a filmmaker and um, whether. And I wasn't trying to. I was just being. I was just being honest and being real, because um, I don't know how to be anyone other than me. So that's all I can be is me. Yeah. Um, he asked me, you know, what if we put all this effort in, and we don't get any views? What if nobody watches this movie? What if we make this film and it's great and nobody sees it? And I, without hesitating, I'm like, I don't care. We could have one view. We could have a thousand views. We could have a million views. I'm not making it for them. <laughs> you know, I'm making yeah. it for me. I need to make this film for me, you know? So at the end of the day, I don't care, you yeah. know, it'd be great and be wonderful. I know I probably shouldn't say that. Like when I make a film and it's like, but whether you see it or not, you know, no, but it's I get great. that because yeah. that's in, that's in, that's in response to the way that you're fighting back against what, what you had to learn. Yeah. Which is that at the end of the day, you, you can't, cause I think that, I think that people go into it on one side of the fence or the other. Either they don't care at all about yeah, it's what either, the people think. Yeah, it's either I'm 100% artistic integrity, right. so I'm going to make the most obscure movie and no one's ever going to see it. Or, or I'm going to make you want to please everybody and you want the views and you want all the, I'm gonna the, make this, the you know, metrics. I'm, and and for you, it, was, it yeah. was finally getting to the point where you're saying, you know what, I know how to make a movie that people are going to enjoy. If no one enjoys it, then that's on them. Like, is is that is that ultimately yeah? Because then I, I'm at the point right now where if you don't like my film, yeah, I'm gonna chalk it up to preference. Yes, you just it's a difference in taste. Like it doesn't it doesn't mean it's good or bad. It's the same thing when people watch other movies. Like some people come out of a movie and they're like, "That was a terrible movie." I'm like, "Was it or was it just not your thing?" Like because people have different tastes, um, right? So, you know, you can't go in expecting, you know, that's one of the things I love about, for example, uh, like John Wick. Yeah. Is it a great, fantastic, you know, super great movie? Not really. Yeah. But I enjoyed it and I love it. And they know their audience. They know there there is a self-awareness to the film that they go, you know what? 
this is what we're going to do and we're going to do this damn well and they did they made a great movie in that in that wheelhouse yeah and i don't think enough people give that enough credit but i think you know i think it is changing going back off of that just to kind of rewind a little bit i do think it is changing because i think that film in particular the reason why it's more successful than other films like that mm-hmm. was because it embraced itself and it went for it um there are other films that tried to do what john wick did and didn't quite work out because it, they were hollow. They were kind of just a shell. A they copy. didn't have. You could feel with John Wick that everybody in John Wick, Keanu Reeves, oh everybody, everybody loved it. Yeah. Had a had a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, they had something to prove and they had something to do. You know, and as a filmmaker, very similar to Casablanca, actually. It, yeah, exactly. Very similar. And I think that's something that going back to you know if we're talking to indie filmmakers, you need to have that. Like, because at the end of the day, like, you know, every story for the most part has been told in one way or another. Right. It's about your voice. And like, I've heard, you know, it was again, going back to the Guillermo del Toro thing. He said, every song has been sung, but it hasn't been sung by you. Yeah. And that was one of the most beautiful. I'm just like, oh my God, it's so true. Because that's something I, I fight with all the time. I'm like, oh, this isn't original enough. This isn't this, this isn't that. But you have to, you have to kind of believe in your own merit and your own style and your own taste because we're all different. Again, we are all the hero of our own story. So we all have different experiences. We've all have different journeys. So, right. you know, the way we approach things are naturally going to be different. You can give the same script to five different filmmakers and they will be like five different movies. It eventually comes down to being able as an artist to, to narrow down what the fuck your voice is. Exactly. And what you bring to it that no one else can. Exactly. And I think that's the thing where, <laughs> you know, when you hear people talk about their style, like, yeah. hey, what's your style of filmmaking? If I'm being honest, I don't know yet. I don't know. I'm still, I just do what. I think it's I think, a lifelong journey. I, I think it is. I think that, I think your style, I don't know if they could, oh, you're doing video too. Yeah. Um, your style, I was doing finger quotes. Um, <laughs> watch the video. Yeah, folks. watch the video. But um, <laughs> you're gonna want, you don't want to miss this. Yeah. <laughs> these are some premium finger <laughs> some, quotes. Some great air quotes. Um, but I think when, you know, you hear that like, oh, what's your style? This and that. I think in a weird way, that's kind of something that's kind of given to you, that, that, that title of, Oh, that's kind of you. Cause that it's, I feel like it takes someone else to kind of analyze your work yeah, and to kind of point that out. Cause at least for me anyway, I'm just going, I'm such a like instinct based creature. Like yeah. I do things based off of instinct, you know, I'm just like, Oh, if it felt right, it felt right. If it didn't, it didn't. Yeah. And then I work and I'm like, okay, then I work consciously like, Oh, okay. How can I approach this better? And you know, I always try to have a game plan, but when shit hits the fan and you're in the moment, you got to go with your gut. You yeah. can't, you know, I'm sitting there with a shot list and a, you know, storyboard. And something board, goes wrong. And I'm like, oh no. Right? And so, and you can't get the shot that you want yeah. or you can't do whatever. The location is not available. Somebody had to leave and you got to do something. You're like, shit, well, I got to make the day. And, you know, you just got to, you got to roll with the punches and you got to trust your gut. You got to go with your instinct. And, um, you know, ultimately you got to believe in it because, you know, you're here for a reason. Right. And you've gotten to this point for a reason, you know, so you have to kind of take comfort in that. And on no level, I think that's the thing that we both learned that on no level, is there ever a point where things work perfectly because of money? Yeah. So even it doesn't matter. We used to think that, you know, on an indie crew, like stuff oh, goes if wrong. Just, if we just and, had money. Yeah. But, no, that, you, but you literally like, I shit always goes go wrong. Back, if you have $10 million. Absolutely. I always go back to jaws, like the shark and jaws. Yep. yep. You know, Steven Spielberg had to get creative. You know, the same thing. Guillermo del Toro was talking about Shape of Water. He's like, day one, some shit went bad. Day two, we broke the K-1 
camera and the crane. He's like, we got to just keep going. So it's like, you know, they had, what, $20 million to make that movie? The whole fucking Fellini in Eight and a Half thing. Yeah. Where it was like... It's insane. He was shooting a movie about... Uh, he was shooting a movie about the future. Mm-hmm. Couldn't fucking get that shit together. And so and they, they kept losing days and kept losing time and kept losing money to a point where he just said, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to yeah. make a movie about a director who can't get his shit together in making a futuristic movie. Mm-hmm. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Like, the amount of improvisation... So you learn these skills, but you, through through yeah. having to just deal with it. How do you deal with a stressful situation? What do you do? Because uh, it's very stressful on these long day shoots. Things are going wrong. There's so many things to remember. Um, and at the end of the day, when you're director, it all falls back on you. Every L you take is yours. Absolutely. As you know, when you're the director, you're the captain of the ship, so you gotta right. You gotta you're the go leader. Down. You're the you're the yeah. So when the ship's going down. You gotta go down with it. So what is your what is your uh, uh, other than uh, drinking whiskey? I guess. What? <laughs> well, also weed. But right, right, right. What is your um, um, like what like take me through what what your thought process is. Take me through what's going on in your brain now, like now as opposed to you know like, where where are you now? Where I am now. Um, when I get stressed out or when I get, you know, like there, um, which is funny that you bring that up because, you know, like a year ago or maybe a little longer, I put myself in the hospital because I was having anxiety attacks because yes. I just was freaking out. I had so much stress and I was freaking out so bad that I realized, you know, and you were having like heart palpitations. Yeah. Like right? I couldn't yeah. breathe. I was like, Oh, this is it. I remember that was a scary ass time. It was time. really yeah. scary. I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was having this weird out of body experience. Like everything just felt weird. And I'm like, Oh, this is it. This is, how, <laughs> this is how I go. Um, but the most interesting thing is, you know, you go there and the doctor looks at you and like, you're, you know, outside of being overweight, you're fine. I'm like, Oh, Oh, thank God. Yeah. But, um, you and know, it, it's like it was your heart's crazy. healthy. Your blood's good. Everything's fine. You're just, you stressed yourself out. And, um, it's tough. You know, it's really tough because it is, like you said, it is very easy to get stressed out, whether it's financials, it's, you know, just the project, it's everything. Especially when you're the director, there's so many things that go into it. And again, you're the the captain of the ship. Right. Um, and it sneaks up on you. It and does. it builds slowly. It really builds. Because and you don't every even little thing, it. you feel like, every little problem that happens, you feel like is a tiny hole in your ship. And you're like, oh no. Mm-hmm. Oh no, this is going to eventually fill up, then it's going to, no. But you have to steer, the, you have to stay the course and you got to keep going. Um, and you know, um, so the best way I try to deal with it is at least nowadays, I know meditation helps a lot. Okay. Um, cause I'm trying not to, <laughs> this is going to sound really terrible, but you know, I try, I'm trying not to depend on any form of substance, like yes. whether it's, you know, relaxers, pills, anything like that. Every once in a while is okay, but you should not feel like you need it. You should not. Yeah. Because again, going back to everything, you have the power of right. everything. So when I realize that I put myself there, I, I can take myself out of it. Um, so it came to meditating. It came to, you know, just relaxing yourself. And I think the confidence thing, like going back to, you know, being more self-confident, like that was the biggest thing was that. When you're lacking that self-confidence and things go wrong, mm-hmm. it's a recipe for disaster. But now that I'm more confident in myself and my ability as a filmmaker and just as a person in general, when things go wrong, I'm not that worried anymore. Because I know at the end of the day, I'm like, I got this. Like, I can do this shit. 
Um, so it, it is having that, you know, some people think, you know, they call it like arrogant or, you know, being cocky, but you need it. It's confidence. You right. need to have that. It's you when you go overboard. Oh yeah. It's when you go overboard and you have a total ego, but you know, you need to, because this, this, this life, this industry, everything, it will just, again, it will, it's trying to put you down. Like it really is. And, um, so you need to. You need to be the source of your own confidence. You can't depend on other people to be like, "Hey, Bert, you're great, man. Keep it up." Yeah, you you can't depend on having your own cheering section for you. You need to be the one to give yourself that confidence, to give yourself that power. You cannot find it in other people. Yeah. Um, the same way you cannot find happiness, you cannot find love that way. You need to love yourself. You need to be happy and content with yourself first. Then it will attract other things to you. I do believe in the law of attraction. I do believe that, you know, if you're out there and you go for it, the universe will provide. I truly do believe that. Um, a lot of the best opportunities I've had in my life came from me just saying mentally in my head and out loud going, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to get it. This is, you know, and it just came from that. And when I took action and I changed my thinking, yeah, things started working out better because for a long time it was very negative and it was very, I kept complaining about the things I don't have, the, the, the equipment I don't have, the, the, the team I don't have, the you know, all these different things that I'm just like, if I just had this, if I just had that. And it always felt like I was, I was giving, I was giving that reason away. I was giving that, that, um, that accountability to something else yeah. for my success. I was, I was placing that onto some imaginary figure Instead of looking in the mirror going, I'm all I need to get the shit done, you know? And if I, if I do what I can do and if I can do what I know I can do, other people are going to be like, Hey, this guy's doing stuff. I want to be a part of that. Right. Um, which I think happens naturally. Like doer, like we were talking like a couple weeks ago, you're saying doers, you know, fuck with other doers. Doers fuck with doers, man. You yeah. Know? So whenever, whenever I feel stressed out, like, or like shit like that, I'll unplug. You know, I, and it's very important to take me time. Mm -hmm. It really is. Like, that's something that I'm really trying to focus in on now is, you know, when I'm at the gym, it's me time. I don't like going to the gym with other little people. little selfing time, yeah. Yeah, like everyone keeps going like, oh, let's go work out together. Yeah, let's all go. And I'm like, no. No, no, no. Because when I'm there, it's, 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 it's just as much this as it is, you know, this. Yeah. So it's so important for that. And even like now where it's like when I go to bed at night now, I try not to work up until I go to bed. It's so important that I give an hour or two to just kind of like watch Netflix or yeah. play PlayStation just to like get that shit out of my brain. Because if I go to bed with it, it's going to fucking kill me, man. <laughs> like I'm going to wake up stressed out. Yeah. You know, so, you know, right now I'm really my main focus right now in my life is my routine, my daily routine. How can I keep myself, you know, on track? on schedule, but at the same time, still give myself the things I need to be a person, you know, not just a filmmaker. And that was something that, um, Hisani and I talk about all the time. He, he, you know, we have, a, we refer to it as the complete filmmaker. Yeah. You know, so the gym is important for us. Watching movies is important. You know, just having fun is important. And for a long time, I kept thinking, I'm just going to grind, 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 grind. So I wouldn't go out. I wouldn't do all these things. I wouldn't do that. I would just seriously just like work, 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 work. Yeah. And you need to feed your soul. You need to feed your soul. You really do. Because, you know, 
the the going back to you know the healthy mind healthy body you need a healthy spirit too mm-hmm. like, yeah the spirit carries the body when it's tired you yeah. know what i mean when you're gassed out and you don't think you can go another round your spirit will say get up motherfucker you gotta you gotta go back in there you gotta get the shit done and if you don't have that little extra reserve in the tank you know it's just not gonna happen so you know when it comes to when it comes to dealing with stress it's a it's so important to stop and just take a moment, you know, take a moment and be like, yeah. just be in that moment. Like just be you be in, be in that life, you know, like, what do I want to go do? Like, okay. You know, I want to go see a movie or, Oh, you know what? I want to go to the Eiffel tower. I want to go travel for like a week or something. Yeah. I want a weekend getaway. Go do it. Reward yourself. And I think that's something that not enough people do for, you know, they just think that, they set the goal so high that they deny themselves these things, and they don't have the patience to, to understand that it that it will come in time. So then they think that working harder. Yeah, because you need to understand it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Right. You know, you got to approach it like this is going to be. I got to pace myself because if I go too hard too fast, I'm going to burn out. And that's something that I've seen a lot of people do. They burn themselves out. And yeah. I've gotten really close to that a few times, and Same. I'm like, I can't. You know, so I stop. I take a couple of days off. I replug, you know, one of the best things I love to do every year is, um, every year for Thanksgiving, I go spend the weekend with family in Colorado and like, that's the most relaxing time of my life because I'm literally unplugging from everything. Like I get to go to another state and just hang out with my family and not worry about work. (laughs) And even when like people try to ask me like, Hey, what about this? What about that? I'm like, dude, I'm not there. I'm gone. Yeah. Um, it's really important to do that. You know, just for your state of mind and just for yourself. Like, because if you're constantly on, it's, you're just going to burn out. Like, it just, it really is. So you need to, you need to take time for yourself. Right. And ultimately, with every life experience you make, that's just ammunition for like, you know, if you're a filmmaker or creative, because how are you going to tell a story about experiences you've never experienced? That's, that's on some real shit. You know, so as I funny enough as i'm working on a film that i'm like i haven't experienced any of these things right <laughs> i wasn't a that's a great segue though what's but, the next uh, steps what's next steps here your next film tell us a um, little bit about it whatever you want to say well we just wrapped um we pretty much just wrapped a feature film uh takeout girl i was uh the producer cinematographer i'm also editing color do everything i help get the film done <laughs> dude i mean but, um, you're, you're to- you you and hasani both are, are total filming i would love to have him on if he oh yeah he probably would just yeah like him. to do it um but yeah so he uh he wrote and directed it um it stars uh hedy wong it's a great film like i i am very honored to be a part of it um not just because you know i just worked on it and you know this and that but yeah honestly what the film symbolizes and what it means i could not be happier to be a part of it um it's very important for um, Asian Americans, I feel, the, yep. you know, is really great representation, um, which is really important right now in Hollywood. And you can see the trend, you know, there. Um, but it's just, it's a great story because what I love about it is that it's so universal because it's about, it centers about a family. Yep. You know what I mean? That's ultimately what the film is about. It's about family. It's a family story. Um, so I'm not going to go yeah. too far into it because it's not my place to really say, but I feel you. it's a great film and it's about, you know, and I'm excited to see it, you know, done. We're in post. 
Um, You're on the track to getting it done. You've yeah. already laid some groundwork for what happens when it gets done. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, cause yeah. That, and that's the part of, there's a lot of things of filmmaking I've learned making Takeout Girl and getting ready for my feature film, uh, Revengeance, um, that you just never really quite learned in film school. You know, like having to produce a feature, an indie micro-budget feature film. Yep. You know what I mean? It's it's tough and it's interesting, but if you surround yourself around the right people, it definitely gets a lot easier. Like what what's so wonderful, and I think part of the reason why we were able to achieve what we did was because of, you know how much Hisani and I bring to the table as filmmakers. Like yeah. that's kind of something we kind of pride ourselves on is that we both know how to shoot. We both know how to edit. We both know how to do sound. We both know how to do color. Like we both know like almost the ins and outs of almost every job. And that's something that as directors we pride ourselves on because if I'm going to ask you to do a job, yep. I should at least know how to do it myself. And the most interesting thing is I think on most days, vital, actual vital crew was what? Six. Oh, yeah, it was a very small crew. Like Five or six people. Most of the crew was like, yeah, it was like Hassani, myself. Um, there was, you know, Hanaro, who was amazing. Uh, Christo, you know, we had MJ producing. Uh, she was wonderful. Um, we had Choppy, Chris on sound. sound yeah. Um, and then we had uh, Derek as a, we had one PA, which was Derek. He was a rock star. And then we had a makeup artist. And you know? it, Which is an incredibly small amount of people like if you don't have any context for for filmmaking just watch the end credits it is <laughs> fucking names? ridiculous to have that few people working on it on pretty much the whole entire shoot but you guys it, it's a testament to how good you guys are and how complete as filmmakers you are that you can move quicker than than people that don't understand editing and you know you know what you can shoot you know what you yeah. can get away with and it was it was an interesting balance because there was a sense of you know like yeah we can get this done faster with a smaller crew but what was also like really at least for me anyway was being able to make the film with that the way we kind of wanted to do it like being able to move fast when we wanted to but also being able to take our time when we when we wanted to. Yeah. So being able to move fast when you need to, but take your time and get what you want. Right. Um, and it's kind of it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. And some people, you know, like there was a you know some feature films they shoot for somewhere between twelve and sixteen days and just grind it out and it's tough because at the end of the day there's always going to be a couple scenes you wish you got back. You're like, ugh. Because yeah. you were rushing to make your schedule. The biggest thing I'm so proud of with this was that we really kind of took our time. Um, we scheduled it. We had about somewhere between, if you count pickups and like B-roll days and stuff, we had probably close to like 30 days. Which is, you know, when we initially set out, we set out to do like 20. And then we had a couple It's uncommonly days, high. You know. For but, an indie film. And we broke it up. Like we hardly ever worked more than two or three days straight. Like it right. was really cool to just kind of like... And if we didn't like something, we we got it. We we did. There was a couple things where, you know, we did 14, 15 takes because it just wasn't right. We're like, no, we got to get it. And um, one of my favorite moments was uh, we were filming in Riverside. And um, I was directing this sequence for uh, the Revengeance trailer. And um, we were about like eight or nine takes in. And I'm like, yeah, I think we got it. You know, yeah, let's move on. I think we got it. And Hassani popped out of the hallway like... We didn't come here to think that we got it. 
we came here to get it. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, he's right. You know what I mean? So I had to check myself. Like, no, let's let's go again. Let's make sure we get it. Because he's like, if we didn't get it, we just wasted everybody's time. You know what I mean? And that was the wonderful thing about, like, working on Takeout Girl was at the end of every scene, you know, we were very confident of, like, we got that. That was great. You know, because at the end of the day, the last thing you want to do is waste everyone's time. Yeah. Because, um, again... To settle. You know, time is kind of the our ultimate tool is our greatest asset and also like the most you know powerful thing that we can use and i think with indie filmmakers they don't understand that they think they just need to go fast and you know right take your time do it right you know because if you don't and you just get something subpar all you did was waste your time and everyone else's time all your friends all your crew or your cast wasted their time agreed okay cool well, uh, I have one last section that I like to play with people, and it's uh, a round of Would You Rather. Oh, God. Which is always fun for me. All uh, right. This week, uh, Thomas Bailey, thank you for these. You fucking, I mean, you've just been killing it. You've sent me so many. So, um, let's see. Okay. Would you... <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. Would you rather lose an eye or a testicle? Oh, Jesus. If I wasn't a cinematographer, I'd say my eye, but... Right? Oh, God. And how much do you really need the testicle? Well, will the one still be, like... I don't know. It depends how strong your testicle is. I can't <laughs> speak for your <laughs> testicle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, oh, dude, I'd rock an eye patch. You'd rock an eye patch? <laughs> That's hilarious. As long as it's my left eye. <laughs> Because I DP with my right eye, so... Oh, okay. So it's not as important having two, yeah. No, no. Uh, okay. I might not be able to pull focus as good, though. <laughs> my death perception may be off. That's so funny. Would you rather uh, uh, walk on hot coals or dry ice? Hot coals. Yeah, same. Dry ice. <laughs> I don't think you could without, like, just getting your skin ripped off. I know, off yeah. You. That'd be tough. Would you rather interview a past president of your choice or an ancestor you haven't met? Ooh. I would probably go... When you say I haven't met, could that be, like, in time? Yeah, I oh, think okay. so. Not, like, just someone that's, like... Because I have a lot of family in Florida that I've never met. I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck about you know? <laughs> Like, they're cool. Yeah. You know, but... You know, talking to a former president is kind of cool, though. Um, no, I'd love to learn from an ancestor from, like, a hundred or two hundred years ago or some shit. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'd love to know. From I'd, Yeah, I'd just love to meet those fucking... Yeah. Like, just to know somebody from that time period Yeah, would that'd be, be cool. cool, yeah. Uh, would you rather be responsible for the death of 100 strangers or the death of five friends? Oh, shit. Ooh, that's... That's some Batman fucking shit right there. It is. That's, that's, that's that is a shit. fucked up question. Yeah, it's a hugely fucked up question. Um, wait, so a hundred strangers or five five friends. friends? How close are these friends? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. How do you define if it's what is like a friend? Like, if it's like Facebook friends. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> like I haven't seen him in ten years. Yeah, I don't know who the fuck this. I just Tell added him. this motherfucker. This is just some comedian I've never even met before. <laughs> he. Yeah, it's like he just like liked my page and told me to follow him, so I'll kill him too. Right? But um, no. Um, 
It's nuts, though. Like, oh, that's tough. That's tough. Because it's, been... it's like, because you think about it, you're like, oh, 100 strangers, and it's like people you've never met. So, like, in a weird way, it's like, in again, in your perspective, they never really existed. It's humanity. That's yeah. hu- th- that's the human that's fucking the, thing. That's the weird thing. You yeah. can hear about a thousand people that died in a faraway country. Yeah. And feel like, oh, that sucks. Oh, but if you yeah. watch, a f- if you watch one person get run over by a car right in front of you that hits you harder i think yeah absolutely i can't remember who was just talking i heard that on a podcast and i was like that's so fascinating to think about because well i guess to answer the question i mean it's there's no good answer to this question right but i guess a hundred strangers mine would be a hundred strangers because it's just human yeah. It's just human to me that Cause, like cause, I care more about people that I know. Hundred people are dying or more every day, and it's like it's it's a tragedy. It's sad, but right? I I don't know. It, it's there's no good. That's the conflict of humanity, though. Is that like we care only about what's in front of us, and that's why social media, take because it takes an extra step to actually give a fuck about. You know the sad part is, is that all one hundred of those people were probably going to be the only hundred people who saw my movie. <laughs> and I would have ruined right. my audience. Those five friends didn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, they, they never go. They're like, they never go. I was there for that shit. You I always get a Facebook, it. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Them. I might go. <laughs> okay, and from uh, Thomas's daughter, would you rather drown a duck oh, or kick a puppy off the Grand Canyon? Drown a duck. Drown a duck. I would. I couldn't stand to kick a puppy. I could not kick a puppy. Because then John Wick duck. will come after me. <laughs> Just make sure it's not John Wick. The Baba dog. Yaga. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Was it the Baba Yaga? Yeah, the Baba Yaga. <laughs> which I think they're making a horror film now about it, which is really funny. Because all everyone in the YouTube comments is like, "Oh, John Wick, you know this and that." But yeah, no. So yeah, definitely drown a duck. Drown a duck for sure. Like, I get, I get why that would might be difficult because you're like, oh, you don't, you just have to kick the puppy and then you don't have to deal. Like with a duck, you'd ha- actually be feeling the life draining from a living thing, which would be <laughs> fucked up. I'm like that, never mind. <laughs> but I don't care. I don't care much as much about ducks as I do about dogs. Well, because then when you're done with the duck, you can. You know, you can go have a duck. You can for go dinner. fuck a duck. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say have a duck dinner, but I guess you could if that's what you're into. I mean, you this, duck fuckers. This All right, is, this is America's 2018. That's what I'll call the listeners duck of the fuckers. podcast. Duck fuckers. <laughs> what's up, duck fuckers? I want you to be like, what's up, fuck duckers? Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Well, um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I will definitely have you on again yeah. as projects come out, and you can, you know. Uh, advertise your stuff. Uh, the big ones to check out are Saber Media. That's S A B E A R uh, Media. Mm-hmm. So Saber Media, uh, and that's on Instagram. Instagram that's on Facebook. Facebook. Um, you can look me up personally on Facebook, Alberto Triana, um, or YouTube. You can go Alberto. Oh, shit, pretty sure it's Saber Media. Saber Media. Yeah. yeah, and then um, you can also check out Red Hood. It. Yes, go see Red Hood. It. It's on um, a YouTube channel called Robot Underdog. Uh, two, they're the same people that did uh, the drag, the amazing Dragon Ball Z Light of Hope. It's got like millions and millions of views. Um, really great people. But yeah, you can go on there, watch it, check it out. Let us know what you think. Um, yeah, and then be on the lookout. You know, in the next year or so, we got two feature films coming out, and um, you know, after that, I have a couple shorts I want to do before I jump back into another feature. So, you know, 
hopefully you uh, see the name pop up more and more frequently. <laughs> okay, and um, he, here is something that I think I'm going to steal for the first time. I just have this, this I stole, I'm stealing this from Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast, but if you could ask the people listening one question right now, if is there something that you would like the answer to, something that, you know what I mean, like, that people who are listening to the podcast that you would like an answer to, like a getting getting some feedback on something, getting whatever. What what would your question be? <laughs> um, shit. That's a wow. Um, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Because my gut reaction was, why are you listening to Brent? <laughs> but um, all jokes aside. Yeah. Um, Wow, that's tough. Like, I guess something that you you would like an answer to from like so from, like from a stranger, something from, you would like a, a completely unbiased stranger's opinion on some some question you would like answered. I guess. Shit, how am I doing? <laughs> how am so I you doing? You want them to check out? You know? Is there something if you could if you could have them check out one thing and let you know how how what they thought of it? What would it be? Um, see, it's while while Red Hood it is definitely like the the latest thing that I've yeah. done that you can see it is a shared project with Hisani, which is, you know, which was great for the project, but I would like to see what people think, you know, of, you know, because again, it's myself and how I grow and learn. Um, if you saw a film I did called The Stranger in My House, it's a short horror film. It's like seven minutes. It's in a different language. It's kind of cool. Um, but a Korean shit. horror. Film. Yeah. Like, how are you, you know, like, how did it, how did it work for you? You know, how did it go? Uh, am I, Am I doing a decent job for you? You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, like, again, you know, I'm I'm ultimately doing it for my own satisfaction. But, you know, I'd like to know, hey, am I close? <laughs> yeah. All right. Reach out to Bear Media. Uh, as always, send me any would-you-rathers, uh, any questions that you have, anything that you would like to say about this podcast, uh, at Brent Mukai, B-R-E-N-T-M-U-K-A-I, across all platforms. Um, thank you so much, everybody. You sweet, sweet mukuleles, you mukakis, you League of Extraordinary Brentlemen. <laughs> League of Extraordinary Brentlemen. I appreciate you all, and uh, I will see you next time. <laughs>